You're listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting, revealing conversations with execs designed to provide practical insights for leaders to build healthy organisations that are sustainable and ensure competitive advantage. I'm your host, James Natsis, Chief Operating Officer at Apricot Consulting. I'm joined here today with Kevin Argus, Lecturer in Design Thinking and Marketing in the Graduate School of Business and Law at RMIT University. Kevin is also part of a collective academia focused on designing human-centred approaches to the circular economy. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. A pleasure to be here, James. On our topic of discussion today is the concept of shared value. Developed a few decades ago by Michael Porter and Mark Kramer out of Harvard Business School, this concept has gained a lot of momentum and is strongly connected for businesses to these themes of building purpose and engagement within organisations, which are certainly some of the areas that many organisations focus on and particularly that we work on here within Apricot Consulting. Kevin, shared value is a concept that's been going for some time now. Certainly, there's conversation about shared value and how does it fit, how does it differ within traditional corporate social responsibility programs? Well, it's interesting because when you look at the research into corporate social responsibility, typically what we find is there's there's three main approaches. And the, the two most common traditional approaches are philanthropy, which tends to be quite temporal. Uh, corporate social responsibility has, in the main, offered projects and those projects tend to be somewhat transactional and often in, um, often they result in some sort of um, volunteering or financial um, acknowledgement to the recipient or organization but what they lack is sustainability so created shared value the philosophy that Michael Porter and, and Mark Kramer um, put forward was one of more about embedding mutual value creation in a partnership that is collaborative. So from a from a business philosophy perspective, it's really a, a, it's a it's a movement forward towards partnering as opposed to helping. So I think in a broader context, the relevance of this today is around um, the change that we're seeing in the broader social, in, uh, environmental, and economic. Um, realities that are occurring um, internationally, where there's there's been a, a great sense of challenge to um, popular business philosophies that have led to somewhat um, disparity across those three criteria of social, economic, and environmental. So um, many leaders in business are looking at a, a reality moving forward where they need to engage more proactively in social, environmental and, and um, economic um, uh, ideals and practice um, in terms of supporting both their business but also their brand and ensuring they have a social license um, to, to progress and to engage uh, with their customers. So building on that, given that you're, you represent RMIT University and you're very heavily in this space, what are some of the insights uh, in what you're seeing in the marketplace or, or within a, 
from an industry perspective about how, how this is actually playing out. And uh, particularly, obviously, with COVID, obviously, uh, shaping a lot of the conversation in some respects right now. Well, look, just as a, as a starting point, um, so I, I'm together with uh, some other researchers that, that are looking at, you know, B2B best practice um, and social outcomes. Um, we're certainly doing some research around this notion of shared value. And I attended a forum yesterday that um, was a forum of academics and there was um, a guest speaker who stood up and basically said, moving forward, businesses really need to transition their purpose um, towards shared value, quoting Porter and Kramer, um, and not just profit as an outcome. And when we were looking at, um, you know, reviewing the existing research, what we found was there was a lot of conceptualization of what shared value is intended to provide um, as an outcome and what are the tenants of shared value, but there's not been a lot of work on um, how this actually plays out, what are the challenges and the enablers of uh, shared value. And so throughout COVID, we've observed what's been happening. We observed that, um, for example, um, our Prime Minister came out early and, and made a call to big corporations to assist smaller corporations to help them to survive the initial challenges moving into COVID, knowing that bigger corporations um, are better set up to, to ride the waves. So what we observed was much of the early um, practice of assistance was financial flexibility in terms of terms of trade. Um, however, that is quite temporal. It's certainly necessity as a safety, safety net, um, but it wasn't actually creating something that was new and potentially sustainable. But what we have observed in terms of really interesting and innovative practice have been um, some organisations that have used their um, excess or slack capacity, which has occurred with people working at home, devoting more hours to uh, and um, and hours that are that are without disruption to completing their necessary work. Um, and therefore having um, some excess capacity to think about their supply chain partners and do some tangible um, creation of things that will assist them. One example was a large IT organisation uh, where some of the um, IT staff got together, realised their suppliers who were in logistics needed some support. And so what they did is they decided to create for them an app that assisted in their efficiency in terms of their logistics being a smaller organisation, they didn't have um, a major logistics um, digital infrastructure. And of course, uh, um, collaborating with um, with yourselves at, um, at uh, Apricot Consulting and, and one of your shared value partnerships, we've seen some really interesting um, human-centred design um, in terms of formalised, facilitated, co-created workshopping to create value between you know tier one people in construction and um and those in the disability sector which has really been quite remarkable and, and refreshing to see and what we've observed there is that um a number of things the organizations are quite different under normal business practice they probably wouldn't arrive at the types of creative ideas moving forward that they um we've witnessed them do um, but also that it that anything around human-centered design and creation requires the space 
it requires the resources, it requires the purpose to come together, to share knowledge, to learn about each other, and to therefore provide a space of which opportunity can be maximised or optimised. Um, and that's been really refreshing. And of course, the feedback we've had being involved in, in a project that we brought into the uh, classroom with our um, MBA and executive MBA students um, has revealed that, that there's a lot of opportunity for co-creation and a lot of opportunity for mutual value creation, which is which extends beyond the traditional um, transactional relationships that we see in supply chains. Great. So where, where do you see the, then the, I suppose, the challenges between why that between an idea around shared value, which in principle sounds like a terrific concept where both partners can win out of an arrangement and a partnership and it has social, financial, as you mentioned earlier. What are some of the challenges as you look at your research as to perhaps where this may fall over and potentially as you've sort of given an example already of a particular uh, industry and context of where it's what's making that work well? Well, as I mentioned, when we looked at the research, we found that fundamentally it's it's a conceptual approach and some of the criticism of that shared value concept in the literature is really pointing to some of those challenges. But what we've seen in terms of being able to partner um, with shared value in practice and fortunate to see one that involves an organisation that has a devoted human-centred design um, department within it um, and is managed by a third party, an objective third party, which in this case has been yourselves. Um, we've observed that facilitation, um, I guess, addressing the challenges that I mentioned previously, that the organisations that are large, like tier one or tier two organisations, are very different to social enterprises or smaller businesses that exist in their supply chain. So immediately you have very different um, arrangements in terms of what are the what's the fundamental business philosophy, how do they work structurally, what are their core KPIs, um, what remits do they they have and do they work towards. Um, so having a mediator to bring together and hear from both sides um, have, as we've seen, in the, I guess, in the case of the project we worked with you on with the social, um, with the disability um, enterprise, having members of the organisation, the tier one, actually visit and see how work is done, listen to and learn from some of those disability employees, they then can find the potential and, and that sweet spot in terms of where the opportunity lies. But in terms of the challenge, I think the challenge is without the sort of facilitation of bringing these people together and having appropriate place and time and purpose, um, having a, a project or a program, if you like. Um, I think programs are good because programs suggest they're ongoing. Projects tend to be limited by, by time and space. I like the way that um, that programming this um, then creates longevity around investment from staff. Um, so I think that uh, um, other sort of investigation we've done has been um, going to other forums and listening to those that have practised um, shared value. And what we've found is that those particular programs 
or in some cases projects, shorter term, um, that were successful are ones where there was deep learning. And even listening to those um, people who were um, managing those projects, they pointed out that it was the investment in the learning about their, you know, into into learning about the the organisations that was led to the success of designing something that was relevant, um, that was meaningful, and that would add mutual value as opposed to merely just meet the remit of what is often more, the more powerful um, organisation in these relationships, which is the larger organisation. Great. If looking at the from the perspective of an organisation who understands the value of this, clearly a lot of uh, spend in the next few years in Australia will be in the infrastructure, but there are also plenty of opportunities, as you mentioned earlier, driven by COVID to, in essence, bring or create more partnerships with larger and smaller and larger and not-for-profit social enterprise. Where would a where would a business start on this journey? They're looking to explore this. How, in your perspective, uh, and perhaps from your research, where would they start on this journey? I think the starting point is the reimagining of the strength of supply chain value creation. What does that involve? So we've we've heard in recent times uh, a number of voices talk about, you know, creating effective clusters or networks. Um, we've seen that there's been increased risk in relying on um, supply chain partners that are very much at arm, arm's length and often um, internationally located. So I think there's an enormous opportunity for organisations that exist within the same national boundaries, but also offshore as well, um, to, to determine what they would like to achieve in terms of mitigating risk in supply chain and and then seek out i guess learning about what is best practice in terms of how to make this occur um, at this stage as i say much of the research has been conceptual there's not much empirical research um, so i can only really talk to the experience that we've had um, which has both been anecdotal in looking at some other examples that have played out and what we've learned from the feedback there, which was that it was about deep learning, but also, uh, as I mentioned, being, um, I guess, being in the the position of being able to observe what's happening in the shared value arrangement that we talked about, the one that you facilitate. Um, it's I think it's pretty clear that um, from the feedback that we've had is that um, having objectivity in that process makes good sense because the focus then becomes about the creation of value and not the collision of, of those challenges, which are the points of difference between the organisations. So although we're yet to, um, you know, conduct extensive um, um, empirical research on this, um, what we can see is mediation is likely to be important. And that just doesn't come from this observation. But when you look at the literature in terms of partnerships and joint ventures, where there are great differences between the nature of the organisations that come together, that cultural exchange and that ability to set up mediums of communication, place and space and getting the right people to be um, around the table um, creating a space where the thinking is not just um, sequential cognitive thinking, but more human-centred design-based. These are the things that, that 
early days in, in exploring this appear to be those things that are rising to the surface. Mm, and, and that seems to build on some of, I guess, the opportunities and challenges of cu current supply chain models, uh, Kevin, which is te technically a larger company, whether that be an automotive company, whether that be a retail company working with a smaller party and they have these contracted arrangements. Some of the stuff that you're mentioning here is to derive the value out of that partnership more, that mediation level, there's a ob objectivity, there's the, are both parties actually winning out of this arrangement as opposed to one necessarily always winning and that tends to be, in some cases, the larger partner. So, but then really, really, really defining those social components to that program to ensure that those other elements are not missed either. Uh, is there anything else that you want to add to that? Because that seems to be where, uh, I guess, what we're hearing today around this is that role of there's a significant opportunity from beyond the empirical to how do we take this to the next level of just a contracted arrangement across the supply chain where everyone wins out of this, uh, both in a financial and a social sense. Is there anything that you'd like to add in our podcast today? I think, I think just to be very pragmatic, because you mentioned the construction industry, and, and of course, that's where we've been involved in a number of um, um, projects, uh, research projects of engagement that have involved um, the context of the Victorian government's um, procurement policy. So dealing with constructors that are, um, or, or tier one, tier two um, people involved, organisations involved in construction that are partly motivated by a policy setting that basically commits um, part of the, the winning tender um, to be committed to um, outcomes, whether they're, you know, and, and some of them are social outcomes. So that could be, you know, Indigenous, it could be women in in trades, it could be um, disability workers, it could be regional um, employees, etc. And what we know, and the government's very well aware of, and industry's well aware of, is that the policy has great intent but the um, execution of that policy is very challenging. Um, there's there's challenges around measurability, around assurance, um, and of course, moving forward, I think during and post COVID, with this this magnification on, you know, where is disparity occurring and why is it occurring despite the best intent of policy? So there's enormous appetite at the broader level of society, which is driving um, business and government around policy. And this, there's a great appetite from, from feedback we have in, in working with um, industry and, and government partners to find ways to, I guess, ensure that great policy is implemented to the spirit of its intent. And I think that's where there's enormous opportunity here to, um, to embed processes that quite authentically demonstrate that um, the nature of the uh, shared value partnership is about producing mutual value, which is economic, which meets the remit of often private companies that have shareholder value as, as part of what they are delivering on, but extending that to more that Tri tri triple or quadruple bottom line approach where delivering in meaningful ways to transform lives in social outcomes, which is what the policy 
is intended to achieve. And so because it's broad based in terms of who it captures, whether that's Indigenous women, disability or regional labour, and, and there's some other criteria among that, we're talking about an extraordinary, you know, not just a, a narrow minority of the population. This is this is actually um, enabling businesses to to transition their brand purpose around something that that is other than just performing well in terms of financial markets, which I think from a from the societal um, sort of fairly narrow snapshot has appeared to have been the case in many instances um, over the last couple of decades. And what we're seeing is um, on, a, on a broad international front, there's been a, a backlash of sorts against that. Nobody wants that because it leads to uncertainty, it leads to lack of trust. And I think for big brands, what it does is it is assures government who in construction, we know are, are really the feeder of their income, which is society's really, you know, society that's providing tax dollars to fund those um, those projects, that the spirit of good policy be implemented in a way that is celebrated by all those brands that participate in that, that process of um, um, creating infrastructure, um, generating jobs and improving the lives of all um, Australians, or in that case with that policy, you know, Victorians. Yeah, certainly. I think in our research together, Kevin, there's no doubt, well, I guess what we've been hearing on the ground is exactly what you've mentioned before, that the the intent of the policy has, in some cases, not necessarily always been fulfilled. It's often been a bit of a tick box or a checkbox. For some, not necessarily intentionally, and on both sides of the equation here, whether that be leading then to cost overruns because of the misunderstanding between both partners about expectations around quality, for an example, but then equally, uh, the stories and stories now are becoming more and more important for for large corporates around the purpose component that you mentioned earlier. Like, what what's our business doing in the world, and how's it helping the world? But then on the other side of perspective, and certainly some of the stuff we've been hearing from our indigenous partners around this notion of careers, not just jobs, not just labour hire. How do we build careers? And certainly the shared value concept. When done correctly, it appears to be able to enable all those elements to come to the fore and, as you said, quite rightly, to fulfil the intention of that policy in the first instance. Is there anything else that you want to cover off on today's podcast as we bring this to a close? Look, I, I think there's enormous opportunity for um, for businesses to, or for organisations, large and small, to seek opportunities to um, mitigate risk in supply chain and create value that can be celebrated from multiple perspectives. So sure, there's economic value, there's brand value. There's also um, what we've found from the project that we've worked with through you is that the feedback from employees, and these are professional employees, well-played employees with a tier one, you know, um, organisation, getting great joy out of making a contribution through the work they do. So rather than having to volunteer outside of work, the connection of work to society and integrating that with um, policy and and government, of course, which provides, you know, about 25% of GDP, means that we have a cycle of flow where economic value created 
is leading to social value created, which is leading to environmental value created. And what I love about the, the shared value philosophy in terms of the framework of how it was set up conceptually, it was inclusive. So it was designed to be inclusive around social enterprises who carry the load of the most, um, in many ways, vulnerable or disadvantaged in society. Now, they don't, they're not necessarily disadvantaged because they have any disability. For example, like women in trades, there's social enterprises that, that advocate for them. It's merely about pathways. It's about shifting culture. It's about educating around opportunity. So it's it's been a joy to work on projects with yourselves around disability in the context of shared value um, with another organisation we work with, um, um, Trades Women Australia, with uh, women in trade, um, and to shine a light on how reimagining the um, the creation of shared value, um, you know, creates enormous value that's sustainable and can can hugely transform, you know, the organisations, the government who's got policy that feeds through and society inclusively and broadly. Wow, certainly lots of opportunities there, Kevin, and uh, really appreciate having you on our podcast this morning. It's great to be here. Thanks to you, our listeners, also for joining us on Inside Healthy Teams. Apricot can help you build a healthy organisation that will ensure sustainability and also maintain your competitive advantage. If you've enjoyed today's podcast and wish to check out our other episodes, please rate and subscribe. Or you can simply head to our website or via social media. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.